1: That's right, Wesner. Welcome to episode 234 of Star Wars Beyond the Films, your Star Wars discussion podcast, your podcast of legends, as well as canon, your ticket to that galaxy far, far away. Our episodes broadcast on the Star Wars Report website, Second Airborne Division of Podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com. Episodes can also be found on iTunes as well as Stitcher and right on our own Twitter and Facebook pages at SW Beyond Films. Hey, but enough about how you got here. Let's get this show started. I'm one of your hosts, the defender of the EU, the champion of our. Multiverse, the bipolar Star Wars fan, Mark Herlemont, and with me, like the Force Ghost that follows Cade Skywalker around, the EU Guru himself, our count of these two continuities, Mr. Nathan P. Butler! Wait, episode 234? Like
0: 234? So we could be like 234 Gunite! Ah! Sorry, I I can't think of like three (laughs) sequential numbers in Star Wars that could be done as one syllable each without thinking of the opening of Jedi Rocks and cringing at Joe Yowza. Um, But hello, hello, everybody. Uh, Was that a purposeful
1: Cade reference given the ultrasound today? Was that intentional? That that was exactly what you threw me off. I had to look (laughs) back at my notes. I'm like, did I pick the wrong number episode? Is it 235? (laughs)
0: 234. (laughs) Um, yes, and the Cade Skywalker reference, very apropos. We just had the uh, ultrasound, the midpoint ultrasound today, so what we thought was true as of the original ultrasound, turns out, is true, so uh, yes, it shall be Cade Franklin Butler, as opposed to Leia Lucille Butler, um, arriving in September. So it has been an uh, an interesting and uh positive kind of day, uh, at least until we start talking about this topic, in which case,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. Yeah. Yeah, Cade came out lightsaber swinging.
0: (laughs) Very much so. It's funny because they got a shot that almost looks like he's smiling and flipping you off at the same time. I'm like, that's
1: my boy. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Nice. Well, here at Star Wars Beyond the Films, we ask the tough questions. Questions that have bothered you for a long time, or simple ones that have perplexed you off and on. You ponder about Star Wars, and so do we. This episode, we take a good, hard look at fandom and ask... Star Wars fandom. Toxic? Or non-toxic? Now, how do we come up with that topic focused in our sights? Well, to address this, we need to talk about the end of an era and timelining epicness. And things will kind of evolve from there. So before I hand the controls to my co-pilot, Nate, let us uh, hit our spoiler warning of Tarkin's arrogance. We've analyzed their attacks, sir, and there are spoilers. Should I have your ship standing by? Evacuate? In our moment of triumph? I think you overestimate their chances. Now consider that your spoiler warning, Beyonders and Sentients of all ages, because here we go on another adventure beyond the films. Yes, yeah, spoiler warning! Uh In
0: this case, spoiler warning, if you haven't heard, and you probably have by now if you followed the show, uh, the Star Wars timeline gold, the... Star Wars Timeline Project, which is the project that I've been working on, at least in terms of public releases, since um, the latter half of about 1997, right? So about 20 years ago, almost 21, you know, given that we're heading about six months from now into October, which is usually when I think of calculating the anniversary from. Uh, But that project that has been going on for over 3,000 pages for over 20 years will be ending This year, The last new edition will be the one that comes out in either late July, early August. It'll have as much on it as I can get on it. It'll be unique, I guess, in that it's the first one that has two new Star Wars films on it, because it'll have Last Jedi and Solo on it by the time that it's out. But it will be the last one, so anything that's not on there at that point, whether it's new stuff to be released later, or stuff that has been released that I've never gotten a chance to get around to, like expansions for the Old Republic will never be on there. Uh, the resource will essentially come to a dead stop, remain online at least for a while, as I move on basically into fatherhood and continuing on with other projects that I do, like the videos for the YouTube channel, working on the second edition of Asaga on Home Video, which will be in full color now that I've got a light box to take good pictures and such. Um, but yeah, that, that seemed to be kind of a shock to a lot of people, but it certainly was something that, to some degree
1: kind of maybe we should have seen coming perhaps Mm -hmm. no that was that was what rose to my mind is when you mentioned it i kind of felt like you know it it happened fast because you were kind of you've been talking about it for a long time and then right before you made the announcement you're like oh i'm thinking about it and then like within like an hour like you're like it is done (laughs) like i'm making the video as to why but then i thought about it and i was like no he's been talking about this for years not not just you know, one or two, but like three or four, like, you know, think back when, when Disney bought it and, and we were talking about, okay, now it's going to be a, a, you know, Canon and and it's going to be legends. Do we end with legends? And, you know, and I was big pushing, you know, like keep the project alive kind of thing. Cause it's, it's that aspect of that pride, you know, I mean, I mean, you have the largest timeline out there and if you stop, well then, then, you know, you don't get that street cred no more. But when you stop and you think, and, and, and I'm going to put the link of your, uh, the end of the era, Or the end of the timeline gold 50-minute video that you have. But I watched that whole video and, dude, so many things what you were saying were resonating with me just on so many levels. But it gets back to, you know, you've been talking about this for four to five years and everything has been pushing that direction. You know, like like I've known it was a matter of time before something was going to be the, the catalyst for that change. And I, I like to choose to look at it as, as your number one reason, you know, it, it being your son. Like, that's the perfect reason to end it on. You know, the other stuff is just kind of like addressing the, the grayish pink elephant that's in the room. You know, it's, it's, it's hiding behind the pink elephant. It kind of looks like it's shadow, but it's a second elephant, you know, and, and that's kind of what this whole, this whole episode is going to be about is about that. But, yeah, when I, when I think about that though, I mean, when I stopped and I thought about it, I'm like, okay, yeah, he is, this has been a long time, but it felt so sudden. Like, cause you would put that one post out like, I'm thinking about it. And then bam, it was like, oh wow. And I, I remember too, like when it comes to our Facebook page, like, you know, you've backed off on the personal post. And what I mean by that is like, you know, when I post it, there's a lot of eyes and, and that stuff. And I'll put my name on the end. And there's a lot of them lately where you'll do it and it'll be like, Nate's this or Nate's that. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's Nate. that's ain't me. Cause I thought it was me. I was like, wait, did I post that? <laughs> You blacked out for a second. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, holy cow, man, that incense is working. But, uh, so, you know, thinking about that aspect and how you kind of reined yourself back with that. And then you were mainly doing the project on your timeline gold Facebook page and then watching the interactions you would have on that sometimes. It's just like watching you bang your head on a desk and stuff. Like there is an aspect of the way fans interact online that you know, it's like the element of agree to disagree has, has been tossed out the window. Like I remember back when you and I met at the forums and stuff, that agree to disagree was, was perfect. It was like, we, we agree to disagree. Now let's, you know, let's explore why. And, you know, let's really flesh out our ideas of why we feel this way. And, you know, we would have conversations, not just you and I, but, you know, people in the Force Philosophy threads or the Karen Travis thread. There's so many different threads that we would, we would congregate and, you would learn more about the way you felt Star Wars would be, should be, could be based off of what other people were saying. No, 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 that wasn't the way it was. It was like this, you know, like I mean, the Bane books, you know, before, uh, uh, Drew had wrote out there, flat out said, you know, that, that Bane actually had died, but everybody was sitting there, you know, this is why it had to have been his apprentice and why she would do it. And, you know, there would just be so many in-depth, reasons that people would have, personal outlooks and and points of views that they had taken from the words that they read on paper, that it just processed different for them. And I always found that it was the people that I disagreed with that would help me learn the most about what I thought I knew. You know, And it seems like nowadays, when you have those conversations, it's so quick and easy to dismiss the other person or to just block them or ban them or just completely come down on them And, and rip them apart, you know, and granted, it's not always that way. There are a lot of people that can still civilly have that conversation. And then you have those people that run into the other people and they kind of like get heated for a moment before they're like, Hey, look, you know, like I'm just here to have the discussion. Oh, okay. You're not trying to be a jerk. Okay. And then you get back, then you get back to that point where everything's working out again. But yeah, I just remember when, when I saw that post, like I was in that camp of like, holy cow, like he's, he's really going to do it. And then, you know, watching that 50-minute video, it lays it all out. So like I said, I'm going to definitely attach that to the show notes. If you guys haven't had a chance to check it out, I highly encourage you to. I think I think, beyond what we're going to be talking about in this episode, Nate's 50-minute video really puts a focus on some of the troubling aspects of what's going on in our fandom. And granted, even that is just like one aspect of it. There are people on all sides of this that are feeling that negativity, that toxicity. And, you know, if we don't talk about it, It's just going to continue to get worse. So, you know, I I don't think that we're going to have any solutions for anybody, but I think we're just going to add to the focus and we're going to just bring it back and kind of, you know, zoom out a little bit and see how far this goes. Yeah. and, And you're right that this wasn't something that
0: was a decision that was necessarily out of the blue, but I know that for some, it certainly would have felt like it because it wasn't really something I talked about a whole lot outside of the circles of people that I knew well enough that I could sort of vent my frustrations and have those types of rational conversations about it instead of it being, you know, in the echo chamber or the cacophony, whatever you want to call it, of, you know, social media and whatnot. But I had known for a while that, you know, I mean, I started the project when I was in high school. I kept it going and really heavily developed it as I was in college, and then it just kind of kept going after that. But I sort of always knew that, you know, as time went on, as I was more into my career – As eventually I got married, eventually would have at least one child and so on, eventually something would give. And there were moments where it was sort of like, well, if I'm going to have to have a cutoff point, should this be it? You know, like 2008, congratulations, a wrecking ball to the Clone Wars, oh, for God's sake. Should that have been it? Turns out I said, no, no, kept going. Same year actually, uh, that my wife and I started seeing each other. We just had our 10th anniversary, um, not of marriage, but 10th anniversary of, of dating. And then you give it a while after that and we get up to the Disney buyout and the reboot of Canon and the question of, well, are you going to even do a story group Canon or whatever it's going to be called type of timeline, or is it just going to end now? And that sort of thing and It's like, no, nah, try to keep it going. And for a long time, a lot of the reason why it was still going was less for my use and really in some respects, less of the street cred thing to some degree, although I, I think to some degree there that's always gonna be a part of it, you know, the idea of, you know, I can always say I'm from the Star Wars timeline gold, and if somebody knows what that is, they're gonna be like, Whoa, cool. Um they might actually take what I say seriously instead of being douchebags whenever I say something. Um uh, leave leave the douchebaggery to me. Um But What struck me was that I realized that a lot of my motivation for continuing it came down to a feeling of obligation. That over the years, the timelines that were comparable, and there really hadn't been many, uh, Time being um, the main one, had fallen by the wayside many years ago. There's nothing quite like it anymore. And unfortunately, there's nothing that seems to be on the horizon that's quite like it or someone who's necessarily going to be picking it up and running with it Um, who has the same sort of perspective on things that I would have to be able to say, here, I'm going to hand this off to you, you keep it going. Uh, Both in terms of someone that I would trust to be able to do it in the same style, but also just anybody that I know who fully comprehends the workload that's involved, who would be able to do that while having a life. Um, Because it is a massive time sink. That it just sort of was leaning towards that direction. And what wound up happening, as the video makes clear basically was three things kind of coming together at once um there was the fandom toxicity that was sort of pushing me to say forget it i'm done um when even the timeline gold's page on facebook was starting to become a place where you couldn't have those rational conversations because you would have people coming in who wanted to pull it in the toxic directions regardless of what's being said um Uh, I think an interesting example of that was recently we had a conversation about, you know, a lot of people complain uh, who don't like the current films, complain about their politics. Well, if we take the diversity aspect out of it, because I think that's sort of a social slash political thing, we take that out of it, which seems to be the main thing being complained about. What are the other political aspects that are in it that people have a problem with? Um, But the idea that you can't really talk about the things that are often overlooked – If the big issue is still on the table, so let's scoot it off to the side for the moment and try to have an intellectually honest conversation about the other aspects and sort of laid out that as the premise right from the get go and still have people being like, I don't think we can have this conversation because I don't think the premise is intellectually honest. Do you not understand what the premise was? Do you not understand what intellectually honest means? I mean, you need to have your ground rules. You need to make sure that we're all coming at this from the same place, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So there was the Phantom Toxicity thing, which is a big part of it, which is our main topic this time. There's also the continuity issues that were starting to plague things with um, the modern Star Wars publications. Either chronologically not pinning something down or taking something and pinning down part of it and not the rest of it. Because the rest of it has an indefinite time jump like Thrawn, where we know when the end of it happens, but not the rest of it. Uh, Or Phasma, we know when... All of it happens in relation to the present. We don't know when the present actually is, kind of stuff. Um, and then, the basically, what you might call the blitz of, of asinine continuity, um, where in the span of eight days, there were, because that's a Wednesday through a Wednesday, um, you had a Darth Vader issue get released, you had a Podameron issue get released. The Podameron issue had massive clashes in just one friggin' image but clashes in how they dealt with Kari-kun and Snap Wexley's wedding uh, in what's presented there versus what was presented in Escape from Vajran with the Incredible Farting Wedding. How could you forget the Incredible Farting Wedding? Um, and then the other thing... It was a gas. Oh, but... Um, but then uh, it, it was a rip-roaring time. Um, <laughs> but then in Vader having the whole issue where the author obviously meant for there to be three years to pass and was very proud of the fact that, you know, you could now see how the the galaxy had evolved in talking about it on his own website, only for them to turn around and say, oh, here's this character that should have been dead. Oh, um, tell you what, it's actually within a year of the other stories. Um, We're going to change all those references in the digital copy and eventually when we reprint it. And sort of retconning a brand new issue right after it was released – Against the original intent of the writer, which had to have been approved at some point. And they're so going against their original intent in order to retcon away something that really could have been explained a different way that somewhat undermined the storytelling. And stuff like that just had me saying, you know what? This kind of thing doesn't make it fun to be a timeliner anymore. It doesn't make it an engaging process of getting into the material and figuring out when stuff takes place based on the context clues and whatever. Because before it was, they probably know when this takes place, they're just not being really detailed, but I can figure it out and pin all this stuff down. Whereas now, I have no faith that most of these stories are pinned down at all. Most of them probably aren't. It's probably that wishy-washy continuity of, we won't pin it down until we have to because we don't want to stifle the freedom of someone else. And while that's an approach to take, it's not a chronology-friendly approach to take, or a continuity-friendly oftentimes approach to take, um that just was frustrating.
1: It almost triples your workload in oh, the yeah. aspect of what you're doing with the project. And you had said something in your video that, that I think was the one thing that really stuck out to me. And you were talking about how your phantom had basically became a, a one-on-one lonely personal experience. You were sitting against your wall and, you know, I, I started to think about that in my, you know, like, yeah, I'm not against the wall. I'm in the center of my garage. But, you know, when I, when I think about, aside from my online friends, I've got no one in the physical world right now to share my fandom with. Like, I got this killer room, but nobody ever comes over and hangs out and looks at the stuff. So, like, you know, mine, mine's a lonely but in a different way, and I'm dealing with my own – you know, depressing stuff, not, not so much toxic, but when you add that toxic stuff to it, it definitely makes the weight of the depressive part add up. And thinking about you sitting there, you know, in that feeling of, I just, I want to make this work. This is something I enjoy and this is not becoming fun anymore. And we have all said that everybody in the Star Wars report podcast network. We've always said, you know, if you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. And if it feels like work, you should get out because this is about having fun. And when you sit to that point and you start to question, like, is this fun? fun anymore. And that I think is the most troublesome thing when you stop and you realize you have to do some self evaluation because you're really teetering on that edge of like, this isn't fun. And that lonely aspect that you talk about in the video, like that was just, that just washed right over me. And I was just thinking like, God, man, like to be, to be you in that moment and sitting there and, and you're working your, your butt off trying to figure out these calculations. And, you know, people that we respect, like Pablo and Chi, just don't seem to care and are in that aspect of, well, we'll if we put the dates on there, we're tying people's hands. In. To me, it seems like by not putting the dates on, you're tying people's hands later if they want to make these stories fit together. And it feels like, you know, that aspect of... We're creating a universe where the point isn't to make it fit together because if we make it fit together, eventually it won't and eventually it'll be broken. So if we go into this broken, it's not broken because that's the plan. And I, I'm just like trying not to pull my head out on that aspect because I'm just confused, but I don't, I don't understand that process at all. It seems like just a train wreck waiting to happen, but yeah, that, that lonely personal existence that you talked about and are, are talking about through, you know, us, your program coming to an end, that project wrapping up. I mean, If you guys out there listening, like if you feel like that, shoot us an email, man. Like let us know Like, because you're not alone. You know, like we're not alone. It feels lonely. It feels completely alone when you're in that moment and you're sitting there. You have no one else to talk about. I think, you know, there's so many of us that are going through this. But until we start to talk about it, we don't realize that we are to a degree in the same fence, even though we may be on opposite sides of other fences.
0: Yeah, it's like you create sort of a creative bubble around you. And I think part of that is just the nature of what the project was, right, or what the project is for now. Um, Because if it's podcasting, you're having a conversation. If you are doing YouTube videos, to some degree it's a conversation because, in my case, I try to do it in an educational way and a, a conversational tone sort of way. And then you get the interaction back and forth through the comments and whatnot, which usually are pretty decent comments. Usually it's thoughtful things and stuff like that. Uh, it hasn't devolved into a massive cesspool, though I've had to mute more people uh, on YouTube than I ever did otherwise. I know that I've talked about, you know, uh, what would get somebody banned from the Facebook page for the Star Wars timeline goal at the point where the project was still kind of having the same conversations, the deeper conversations of the page that aren't really happening on there now, um, by choice now. But this idea of, uh, you know, how many people have been banned well, – one of the things I'd always said was, you know, if you continuously push false information, that's going to confuse people and you're being intellectually dishonest because you're not just mistaken because you've got the information now and you're still spouting bull, um, that, yeah, eventually that would ban someone. Well, only, I look back. Only one person's ever been banned for that. The only other four people that have ever been banned from that page were for personal attacks against other fans because they dared to like something those other people didn't. And interestingly um and and i let tell you what let me sit this one aside for just a second because uh, i wanted to finish the thought of just the ending it but so you get the the toxicity thing the continuity thing but i felt it was important that when that knowing how much of a time sink that it was and how much time i would no longer have once our son is here um even though i do work mostly from home with the job that i have uh teaching online i that still doesn't give me a ton of time, even now. And imagine doing that, you know, being also sort of a cross between a stay at home dad and a work from home dad. Um, I knew the time was going to be disappearing on me, and I would rather have the project end for a good reason, which is, you know, have the final decision made for a good reason, which is I'm going to have a baby, or my wife's going to have the baby, and, you know, we're going to have the baby. Um, we're cheer on. Go,
1: go, uh, go. You know,
0: but, uh, but in essence, um, that that would be a good reason to end it. And if I ended it only for negative reasons at some point, if I just finally said, screw it, I'm done, out of disgust with something, which is the direction I was heading in, um, I would always look back and regret the ending and wonder if it should have continued and wonder if that was the right reason to end it. With this being the reason, this feels like the right cutting off point. Um, but I mentioned the people who had been banned, and this kind of brings us back to the toxicity thing. Um, one of the people, in fact, it, I, I went back and looked, because apparently in Facebook, like, I didn't know you could do this, but you can dig in there and you can find the people who have been banned and find their exact dates, but you can't see their original posts anymore. So you have to go basically by memory of what actually got them banned. Um, but I was able to figure out that the person who actually said this is actually someone, he's the first person that was ever banned from the page, ever. And it was him and those three others who were attacking people, all banned within 48 hours of each other. And then nobody until that other guy with the intellectual dishonesty stuff, and then nobody since. Um, so very, very few for as much as people are like, ah, oh, you're trying to gatekeep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love how the accusations of people, you know, you're trying to gatekeep. You're in a closed community, dude. You boot people out all the time. Why are you complaining about me banning a couple people who were being jerks to other people and name calling and such? Um, but I got a comment. On that YouTube video about the end of the timeline, it was a rather large comment, a rather detailed comment from that first person who was banned. And their comment was, and I found this interesting, that basically, and I don't want to say the name because the person, between the time of it posting and when I went to the page to look at it, they deleted the comment. They didn't want it read. They changed their mind, whatever. But when you put in a comment that way, it sends a notification to the person whose video it is, if you've set it up that way, and you get an email with the content of the post. So if the person deletes it, you've still got the email. Um, so I'm not going to share the details of it because this person obviously changed their mind. But it was interesting that basically what he said was that the reason he acted in the way that got him banned, basically, the reason he was lashing out was because of pent-up frustration over the way that he, as a Legends fan, was being treated by canon fans. Essentially, sort of, get over it, it's over, you know, don't be a loser, that kind of thing. You know, how dare you still, like, Legends, move on, what's wrong with you kind of stuff. And noticing the time frame of when this person was banned versus when the new continuity started, there was a couple-year gap, so this would have been somebody who, I mean, it's, it doesn't excuse the behavior that got the person banned. But if they'd really been experiencing the same thing that I think we often have coming at us from the alt-legends crowd, the far end of the legends crowd that aren't just we want legends to continue because both of us want legends to continue, um, but those who are of the extreme side of how dare you like anything else, I'm going to make a death threat against you if you dare to like more than just legends, that kind of thing. Um, If this person was getting essentially the opposite type of vitriol, but to the same degree, for two years, then I could see how someone would eventually hit a point of just popping and lashing out. That the next time somebody just snapped at them, you know, if, if someone is constantly berating you for something, eventually... Maybe a couple years down the line of putting up with that crap, somebody's going to say the wrong thing that sounds like the same type of beratement and you're going to go off whether that was the person who initially was attacking you or not. There's a psychological like backlash aspect to that. Um, But I found it interesting that he would basically say that he was sort of treating others poorly as a result of a continuous pattern of him being treated poorly. Now I haven't seen a lot of that side of the backlash, the, how dare you like legend stuff still? I guess because since I'm able to like both and canon is the thing being discussed the most right now, it tends to be that I get the crap from the other side. Um as opposed to the how dare you still like legends because I guess if I'm a, if I'm interested in both that somehow that maybe absolves it in one group's eyes or something. Um but you know, I don't see that as much. But I can I can totally understand that existing within fandom because toxicity is not a one-sided thing it never is and that's the
1: problem there's a passive dismissiveness to legends that i have felt um but i i've not seen anything to that point where you know like like we've been called shrills for liking disney stuff but what i find is like you know I'll, i'll mention i like legends and it's Automatically, they're throwing, Oh, Legends was crap. It was filled with contradictions. It needed to end kind of thing. And people are happy that it end, which, you know, if you're a fan of that, it feels like you're being attacked, but I don't think it always is. I think sometimes that also is, is us doing the, the victim role, which I'm not saying any one person is doing, but I do recall that when the bring back Legends movement started to make it splash, you know, I was, I was doing the hashtag continue Legends that I still do. I like, I tag it to all of the episodes that I, I, Produced, you know, any uh, Star Wars Report episodes, if you see that hashtag, you know, I'm the one that produced that one. Uh, So but when that happened and the Bring Back Legends group started going out of there, we got a little militant during that time frame and they were seeking out and targeting people. The backlash, the, the what seemed to be the public outlook was was like, well, if you're in Legends and you want Legends to continue, then you're you're one of them. And you need to, and I, I was actually told at one point to reign in my community. And it's like, well, just cause I like legends and I wanted to com- continue. doesn't mean that I'm in the community with these militant people that are going out and bullying people. And so I found myself like, you know, being put in that camp right away. And It wasn't a place I wanted to be. I mean, I wanted Legends to continue. I want to have stories of a Jaina Solo and a Ben Skywalker, but I don't want to have them at the sake of you know, Kylo Ren stories and vice versa. And I think that for me, that's where my anger comes in is like, I don't see why we have to completely shelve Legends while we're still selling the books. I mean, you know, you know, you guys have all heard me. Have that rant over and over again. So that's where my anger and frustration comes from, because, you know, like Legends was when it was the EU, it was always second tier to canon. You had those canon only fans that would do the same thing in that regard where, you know, well, that's not canon. You know, and that was, you know, and, and that was a big thing back then when you had the, the EU angle and you had people like Chi going out there going, oh, it all is one continuity. You know, they would be telling us that. And then you'd have those other people, it's not canon. And, and they would do it sometimes knowing that they're just getting a rile out of, out of us. Kind of like, uh, uh you had shared the, uh, the poster where it had the, the solo book. And it's like, come look at the expanded universe. I even had a knee jerk reaction. Like I posted three comments. My first one was like those bastards. <laughs> and then the other one was like, well, this is actually, this is great publicity for legends. Like people are going to come in. They're going to be like, wait, what's this? What's this expanding universe? Nope. That's not expanding universe. That's Canon. That's a solo book. If you want expanding universe, come over here where there's all this other stuff with Leia as a Jedi and Luke as a grand master and Luke having a son and, Yeah, I mean, so like, I can I can feel the sensation of feeling like you're being bullied, but I sometimes question because like I don't know anybody that's had the death threats from the canon folks. I mean, I've I've heard of people talking about it, but I don't know anybody that's physically had that happen. Whereas you know we've been called names and stuff for for doing the opposite just for liking some of the things and. That's where I get to that personal lonely place It's like, cause I still struggle cause I am still a Legends fan. That's where the heart of my fandom is. I mean, you know, not just Jaina that my kids are named after, but like Coran Horn or Gavin Darkler. Okay. Gavin, my son's named after him, but there are so many stories and characters in that universe that it is hard to just completely like unlearn what you have learned. Yeah. And I hate that phrase. I loved it at one time, but when that's thrown out there and then, the, and then there's the comment of like, well, they're not taking your books away. Like, yeah, I know that. That's not the point. The point is that they took the potential for further stories of these characters that we loved and that we were invested in. And then when you get those other fans that don't care because they're not invested and they're just callously just basically crapping and pissing on what you love, you start to feel like you're being bullied and you start to take that victim mentality. And now I've seen people on both sides take the victim mentality. (laughs) And I think that that too adds to a level of this toxicity because when you take that, sometimes you're running with it and and you're adding to the toxicity because you're trying to shame the other group for doing behaviors that honestly both sides are doing. It's just it's such a a big fandom and a large fandom filled with a bunch of minority groups of we like this and that but not this and we like that and this but not that. And yet none of us really see it all the same. And so when it comes down to what we like and dislike, we're all a minority here, you know, and yet we all feel like we're all one fandom. So it's like the toxicity on the left or on the right becomes the entire fandom's toxic right now. And then you've got those fans that are just like, I'm done with fandom. It's the most hateful place ever. And it's like it can be, but it can also be a really cool place. It can be a beautiful place with some really cool people being very creative and sharing a lot of really cool ideas. And I think that
0: a lot of it comes down to, you know, it's just a microcosm of the society around us, you know. Um, although it's interesting, you know, they tell you, rein in your community. I think of that and I think of the way that you would have heard that and thought, the hell are you talking about? These aren't my people over here. Um, very much like someone would say to someone on the conservative right, rein in your people. Who are my people you're referring to? Oh, you're talking about the alt-right? No, no, no. Those are not my people. Or someone on the left. Reign in your people. Which people are you talking about? The Antifa, right? The anti-fascist group that uses the fascist tactics. Uh, hell no. That's not me over on the left either. Most people aren't on the extremes. But if you're at this point, whether it's politics or social issues or fandom, it's like if you're anywhere to left or right of the dead center then you are lumped in with one side or the other as if you have to somehow pick a side in fandom. As if fandom is not, or society or politics, aren't a spectrum, you know, um, that it is a binary kind of choice. Um, it's just one of those things that's, you know, that, that's running rampant. It leads to a lot of this type of vitriol. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 like I said, I would have no, I would not be surprised to see the same type of thing happening on the canon side as what we see from the, again, the alt legends people for those who are unfamiliar. In case you're listening to the show for the first time, fairly recently, it was a term that we coined on the show based on the idea of alt right with the idea that the political right must distance itself from the alt right, because there's a difference between right wing conservative political views and the views of the alt right that head into things like white nationalism and extreme racism and stuff like that. Um, and the idea was that, you know, you have your alt legends people doing death threats and trying to, uh, go on like spoiler tactics and, and ruining films for people at conventions by doing all kinds of stupid crap. Um, and there are people who are trying to do that who are just trying to get at other fans versus people who just happen to want to see legends continue and might prefer legends over canon or prefer legends and don't even partake of canon at all, which is sort of like the normal legends crowd. And then you've got, of which we would include ourselves. Um, and then sort of the alt-legends who are the people going on the extreme, kind of making that as the analogy, hence where the term comes from. But I could see uh, sort of an alt-Disney-type faction existing, um, something on the other side of the spectrum existing. Um, but but yeah, it gets to that ridiculous point. Um, given the fact that Dragon Con is in this area and relatively close, I mean, it's basically like 20 minutes through good traffic between here and DragonCon, maybe 30 um, on a given day. Um, and some of the vitriol right around the time that the uh, the, the new canon was launching is part of why we own a gun and why I am not hesitant to use it in the cases of defense of myself, my wife, in this case, our unborn child, or our home. Um, it was not, well, I'm worried about a neighborhood or I'm worried about crime in the Atlanta area. Crime is down! We're in a nice little neighborhood, but I swear to God, if you if you come at me and threaten me with death or physical harm over the fact that I can like Legends and Canon both, and you come to my home and try to act on it, I will put one in your head. That is it. <laughs> I mean, end of story. You have just crossed the line from fandom into full fanatic law. Yeah, full fanatic law breaking. Welcome to self defense and castle doctrine, baby. <laughs> Um, I don't play with that kind of thing. It's, a, it's the same thing as a friend of mine I used to teach with when it came to the way that students acted sometimes because this was a relatively young female um, who was being harassed sometimes by students. And her line was, honey, I'm not going to write you up. I'm going to prosecute. Um, And it's kind of the same thing. Like, no, you try to pull that crap. I'm You'll be in the ground and we'll sort it out later. Um, but that's the thing that it should never get to that point. And it's the same kind of thing. I recall the first time I, you know, you may not know this. It's been a long time. I, I think you know this though. Um, you know when the first time was I dropped the F bomb on chrono radio back in the day? Hmm. 2003. Death threats to R.A. Salvatore over the death of Chewbacca uh-huh. and Vector Prime. And the response to that was the first time I dropped the F-bomb and then it kind of continued from there. I was a little (laughs) – I was a little more shock jock back in the chrono radio days, (laughs) um, I guess, than now. Um, But the society that we're in is sort of polarizing and it leads us to this sort of thing. Um, I want to toss out an idea for you to see if you think this is legitimate that could be sort of applied to Star Wars 2, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I I love the whole – you know, I'm. It it drives me nuts, but I also love politics. You know, I love it, but I hate it. You know, like I hate the context, but I love the the inner workings of the way that it works and all the the psychology of it. You and
1: I are a lot alike. The only difference is is you actually learn what's really going on, and I'm just like, I I don't want to (laughs) know. Yeah. Oh my God, (laughs) no. Like, like you're like, wow, that looks stupid.
0: Stupid. I'm not sure why, but that instinctively, that's stupid. And I'm over here going like, that's stupid. I'm positive why. That is stupid. <laughs> um, yeah. But there's this term in political science, um, and it comes from, the, I think, the name of the guy that came up with it. Um, it's called the Overton Window. I, it's, let's apply it to Star Wars and call it the Overton Viewport, perhaps. But it's this idea that in conversation... Uh, in that case, in political conversation, in political discourse, there are these extremes on every issue, right, or extremes on every position. I mean, you take the abortion issue, one extreme might be um, abortion is murder because the child is uh, a unique individual from the mother, even in the room. Uh, the mom knows that it's a baby, knows that it's a human being. Kind of goes back to the when life begins or not kind of debate. But knows, on that extreme, knows it's a life, therefore has the criminal intent to take the life which is murder. Therefore, a woman who gets an abortion should get the death penalty. Or the other side being, a child is essentially a parasite on the mother or a foreign body on the mother until birth. So you should be able to get an abortion all the way up until Um, the point of birth. In fact, there was a law that was being, that was tried to be pushed in one of the states. I think it was Illinois, but I forget. Um, back, you know, probably 10 years ago, which is basically if you attempt an abortion and the baby somehow comes out alive, you have an obligation as the doctor to kill that live birth. Um, but that's the other extreme, right? There's those two extremes, um, both of which are sort of somewhere on the spectrum of freedom versus control of the woman in this particular case. Um, but the idea is that really when you talk about the issues, when you talk about it in conversation and debate, and when you start talking about the possibilities for policy and rational decisions going forward, the real spectrum isn't really that big. The real spectrum is actually a very small window somewhere in the middle you know, where there's some extreme going one way, some extreme going the other, but nothing like the bigger extremes. And that that window shifts over time. Like if we were talking about, say, um, African-Americans in the United States – if this was like the early 1800s, then your window, your Overton window of discourse and what was acceptable would be way down toward the control side of this idea of on one side, you know, black people aren't human and must be property, and on the other far side, oh well, they might be human. You know, like that was the extreme on the on the the, the pro humanity side. Whereas over time it has shifted and gotten away from that extreme towards equality, um, towards even things like affirmative action that is essentially trying to give a leg up as a redress of past wrongs and that sort of thing. If But if you had brought up these days the whole, a black person is not a human, you're a pariah. But back then, if you had said, not only are black people equal, they should also get some redress for the way that we've treated them all these years. You would have been the pariah back then. Like, what's acceptable changes over time as the window of what's acceptable in society tends to shift back and forth on that bigger spectrum than just what the window shows. And I think that that can apply to Star Wars. Like, there was a point at which there were certain things you could do. Like, there was a point at which George Lucas was sacrosanct. You could not criticize Lucas or you yeah. get torn into. There was a, but yeah, then, that. then came the prequels and things mm-hmm. shifted and for a while there it was cool to attack lucas and if you were to someone who was defending the prequels a lot of times you were getting crapped on um and now it's kind of shifted and now it tends to be where is your opinion on legends versus canon or where is your opinion in particular on last jedi where is the acceptable midpoint and slowly but surely it seems like what's happening is almost like Someone's put a divider down the the center of the window. It's no longer, you can either think that it sucked, or you think it was great, and everything in between, it's, you can think it sucked, you can think it was great, and nothing in between. Something's blocking the center of the window. Um, But it's still (laughs) that idea that there's, like, these acceptable positions to have that won't get you attacked, and if you stray outside of those norms, the pile-on begins. Even if those are rational positions to take, and you can be intellectually honest and 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 explain your position that it's not about whether you whether it's a rational position or not. It's all about is it acceptable or not? And the the definition of what is acceptable A constantly changes, but B is always defined by somebody other usually than the person who's speaking, which is why most people wind up at some point running afoul of it. You, you, I mean, you think that's a, that's a viable thing for Star Wars? I mean, I know it's a political thing, but to me, it feels like fandom
1: when I first heard about it. No, that's exactly it. I mean, you know, you think about what our opinions are based off of is what we learned, whether we learned something true or incorrect. You know, that becomes our outlook. And if it's incorrect... When we learn the truth, we have a multitude of options going forward. I mean, the one that – this reminds me of something within scouting, Okay, Uh, When we do the Pledge of Allegiance during scouting, you will get to one phrase and you can tell when you get to that phrase who's in the military and who is not.
0: Ooh, I bet you, you I know what that phrase is.
1: I bet you you do too. Go ahead. Throw it out there. Would that be the under God phrase, the one that was added later into the pledge? Yes. And now, but the part about this that you may not understand is it's all about the pausing. So when I do it, it's one nation, pause, under God, indivisible. Me and all, I would say 90% of our troop, that's the way it goes. We've got two other guys that... One was in the Navy and one was in the Air Force. And when I go to other big troop activities with other troops and stuff, you can always tell who the military people are because when they get to it, one nation under God, indivisible. I mean, they, that's one. There is no pause there. And when we get all together in a big group and we're saying it, it sounds so hokey when you've got five other people doing their own thing and everyone else on the same page. But you can't talk them out of it and they can't talk you out of it because that was how we were raised. We were raised to believe this is the right way and the other way is wrong. And that can be applied to everything, not just Star Wars. I mean, I, I mean that across the board. So, yeah, absolutely. I think that that works. So would you argue and I think I think this is that that's an,
0: a fantastic point. So and, I, and I, I talked about something similar to this in one of my first vlogs when people were saying that Force Awakens was the first real Star Wars film since 83. And how, you know, what we think Star Wars is going to be in the tone of it and everything is based essentially on what we first got into. Like, you're going to feel like Star Wars is meant to be something different if you first got into it with the original trilogy that was mythical archetypes and adventure versus um, getting into it with the prequels, which is more of sort of the big galactic war, the war without end, and the the tragedy aspect of it and that sort of thing. But it's interesting that you say what we grew up with. Because I think that's true. As fans, we grow up with a certain type of Star Wars. Whether that means that we grew up literally with it, or if it's just what we grew into our fandom with. Like, we became fans at, like, age 20, but this is what we latched onto and grew with. Me, it was New Jedi Order. Yeah. Um, And this idea that maybe people now, who are having a different perspective, maybe it is a generational thing to some degree, but it makes me wonder two things. One... Is whether um, uh, generation is a fluid thing when it comes to fandom. If it's something where, um, so or, or maybe maybe it's not. Maybe it's you know it, so maybe it's a fluid thing. Maybe it's that somebody could be part of one generation but start to have the mindset of another, like somebody who looked at things a certain way with the originals who now can enjoy the new stuff because they're seeing sort of a spirit of the originals to some degree, but they got to get used to it all over again. Um, Or maybe um, it's a matter of nostalgia going back to that generation. Um, Maybe there is a generation of star Wars fans out there who, because they grew up not just with the films, but with perhaps Certain parts of Legends, or maybe they grew up with the films, but before they were fully, you know, maybe out of their formative years of fandom, here come the prequels too, that are more accepting of new things. Um But if that's the case, it makes me wonder about the, the length of a generation now, because, I mean, this new continuity has only been going on for, I mean, less than five years now. We've only got three films into it at this point, and it seems as though the divide is enormous between those willing and not willing to accept the new stuff. But it, it's an interesting thing, this idea that of what we grew up into, because it, it, it raises well raises those questions, but also the question of, what does the next generation look like? Um, I mean, my son is going to be born into a world in which Solo is already out. There are already going to be uh, just two, basically there are going to be six Lucas Star Wars films, which is 60% of the ones that will be out there, not counting Clone Wars, if we're talking just live action. And there will be four Disney-based Star Wars films by then. 40%. And by the time he is of an age to really watch and appreciate it, it will probably be an even split between Lucas and non-Lucas live action films. I have to wonder what his mindset is going to be growing into as he's growing up. And you've got the unique perspective, I think, because I'm not in your shoes, To have children of three different ages, three different age groups. A
1: 10-year gap between my daughters. I mean, that's mind-boggling. Do
0: any of them seem to have a bent toward a certain sort of generational view of fandom yet? Or to them, is it all, it's all Star Wars? Like, if somebody asked them to define Star Wars, do you think that they would point to a particular trilogy as sort of, like the core of it, like this is what it's supposed to feel like. Are they still at that point where it could be anything? And they're much more open than a lot of us old curmudgeons out here who've been set in our ways and had to sort of change our minds and change it again. And now we're just like, screw it. We're not going to change it anymore.
1: Well, so there's a little bit of both because, you know, like I said, I came in on new Jedi order. So that was always like my kick. Like I, that's my favorite story. So my son, Gavin, he grew up watching clone wars at age two. Uh, You know, watched it all the way. Loved the clones. At age two, we had the 501st show up. Commander Cody, he was big on Commander Cody. The guy showed up as Commander Cody. Gavin was like, oh my God, these troopers are everything. Dad, I need to have every trooper out there. If it's got an armor, I want it. Which then, of course, you know, he he became an armor lover. He loves Halo. Uh, You know, he's playing Fortnite. He'd, any kind of armor he can get on that. He likes the different costumes and stuff. But so for him, it was about the armor. And for me, watching his fandom... It was clear it was because of the Clone Wars. You know, he really liked the clone look and the basis of the clone arcs and stuff. So for him, that's kind of where he went. And then he got a lot of his toys came in Legos and stuff, and the Halo stuff kind of interacts. So he does a lot of playing in that regard. But for him, it was all about the armor-based things, which I associate to the Clone Wars, because that's where he came in. Whereas my daughter, she's 18 months older than him. She was kind of like, you know, Star Wars is cool, but she didn't really care And then we started the Padawans Perspective podcast, and she she actually started to have more interest because she actually was digging Rebels. And what's funny is, okay, so she's the oldest, and yet Rebels became her jam. And yet for my littlest one at the age of two when Rebels came out, she had no other idea of anything. So Star Wars Rebels, that was how you said Star Wars. You know, it was all Star Wars Rebels. You know, I did, you know, the Force Awakens, hey dad, Star Wars Rebels coming out. Like, so, so for Jaina, like, she still hasn't understood that there are other aspects of Star Wars. She just thinks it's all springing out of that, that that's, you know, that's her a new hope, basically. Um, but, but yeah, there's totally that aspect of, of what your first, experiences that you remember are. Because I I know with mine, I remember I had other experiences with Star Wars and stuff before that, but they weren't what shaped my fandom. My fandom happened, like you said, later when I was almost 20. And that was when the special editions came back out. I was a junior, senior in high school, and it was like the first time where it was cool to say, yeah, I'm going to go and watch the Star Wars movie this weekend. Whereas before, it was like, you didn't tell anybody you were doing that because you wanted to have a date on Saturday, and it was still looking like, hey, if that guy likes Star Wars, he was not okay you did not want to get with a guy like that was my wife when we got together i wasn't i mean i was into star wars but i wasn't big into it she totally enabled me like <laughs> my my collection is is a product of the fact that i have a wife that's very uh enabling so oh yeah I've, I've told you before about mine like we're sitting here talking I'm like honey
0: there's this really rare home video item but it's like 300 bucks but they only made a few of them it's on eBay right now. And the response isn't, Oh, for the love of God. It's better get it while you can. Like, thank you, honey. Yes. Or absolutely. Or if it's got Yoda. She's like, you um, should have got that 10 minutes ago. <laughs> if it's fandom instead of drugs, marry an enabler. That's all I got to say. <laughs> no, that's, that's true. As long as it's fandom instead of drugs, uh, marry an enabler. Um, so let me ask you a question. Um, and, and this is something that I think is at the heart of a lot of the stuff that I see boiling up in fandom, like I couldn't ask a question about, like, okay, so the new novel, The Last Shot, or just Last Shot, happens to have a character in it named Taka, who is a uh, an Alderanian human, who is referred to constantly as they. It's a gender non-binary character, and we saw this back with Aftermath with uh, Eliodi Madakavanya, the pirate. But in that case, using the pronoun "je, zur, etc. And between that and the fact that you have uh, Star Wars casting with the, uh, the, the, the numbered episodes at this point tending to be uh, women of whatever color, but women, um, black people, Asian people, um, people who aren't white unless they're being cast as the bad guy. And you see the same kind of thing happening with Rogue One. Um, The white guy is the bad guy. Everybody else is not. Um, There's a lot of an argument being made that in trying to be diverse, Disney kind of shot itself in the foot to some degree because even if you are entirely benign in your desire, just I want to make sure that all Star Wars fans can see themselves in these stories which is kind of where my mindset is. I want everybody to be able to see themselves. And if it used to be that we saw ourselves as types of people like I'm a scoundrel, um, I'm the powerful female leader, um, I'm the wonderer, I'm the wise old man, and we used to see ourselves in the saga like that, but now we tend to define ourselves in society by gender, race, sexual orientation, and so on and so on that it kind of makes sense that that would need to be reflected if that's how people are going to see ourselves, and that would be how we would see people like ourselves in Star Wars. It's sort of that weird, you know, the, the life and art mirror thing going on. Um, but no matter how benign your approach is or your intention is, in the U.S. right now, that is a major, major part of what's usually referred to as the culture war or culture wars. This political left and right thing and diversity has wound up because, and it's kind of taken, you know, kind of a, a back and forth type of thing. I mean, if it's the 1860s, the, the, the closest thing to pro-diversity you would get back then was the Republicans backing Lincoln Emancipation Proclamation, civil rights amendments, and stuff like that. Um, whereas then you get to the point where the civil rights movement sort of spins around – And you have civil rights legislation being passed by the Democrats, and it's sometimes Republicans going up against it and that sort of thing. Where, you know, whether the polls have shifted or not, um, it's always sort of – there's always been sort of a diversity or lack thereof issue in America because we are such a melting pot, but we've had a lot of trouble sometimes all melting together. Um, And it just so happens that right now, the left happens to be the side – that tends to push diversity more than the right, the right pushing more of a an individualism type of thing, kind of a uh, not so much we care about race so much as a we don't care about race and try to look at the individuals, whereas the other side says, well, yeah, if you do that, though, a lot of times different groups get left out. So like each side sees sort of a, the downside of the other side's perspective without necessarily looking at, the positive side of the other side's perspective and that's made it this very contentious issue which is probably more social than political but it became this heart of the culture wars and through their casting decisions it seems like disney has sort of shot themselves in the foot because by doing what they've done with diversity which i again i think for the most part as long as it's fitting the story is a good thing because more fans can see themselves in it um you look at that, and you pretty much could have expected from the moment the casting calls were answered, and the moment that they started doing the casting and announcing who was in the different films, you could see the backlash coming from the other political side of the aisle. You knew it was coming. You knew you were going to get backlash to that, Um uh, maybe we didn't realize how extreme it would be, like some people who have actually now been outed as actually being of the alt-right, being some of the most virulent people against Kelly Marie Tran and going after her constantly after Last Jedi. Um, but by sort of dipping into that, intentionally or unintentionally, and I think it's probably intentionally, but maybe not with nefarious intent, um, they've sort of brought themselves into the culture where whether they like it or not. And I'm wondering if that was the right move, but at the same time, if they really wanted to be representative of the fan base, if there was a better move to take. Like, okay, so Kylo Ren and Hux and Krennic, you're introducing these new generation characters and the white males are the bad guys. Fine. Okay, so what if maybe they had cast Finn as a white guy? What if they had cast Cassian or one of the members of the Rogue One crew as a white guy instead of it just being the one white guy doing, like, the voice of the droid? Would that have been enough to calm the backlash from that particular side of extreme politics slash extreme fandom? Um, or is it one of these things where any kind of diversity would have caused that type of backlash, even if it was diversity in the true sense of really including literally everybody? And if that... If there is a a chance that if they had just done a little bit of different casting, maybe Poe was a white dude or something, okay, if we think that that could have actually made a difference, then do we think that Solo will make a difference? Because Solo's got a guy as a white male lead, and another guy as a white male lead, albeit a little bit older, amongst a somewhat more diverse cast around it, but not as much so, say, as, as Rogue One, But will that be enough to quell anything? Has the ship sailed? Or are we maybe at a point where they're going to say, yeah, well, they had to do Solo like that because he was already a white guy. But couldn't you then turn around and say, okay, well, you're bitching about women talking down to men and women always having to save the day for men in Last Jedi. But those were the situations those characters were in. Ryan Johnson, for the most part, wasn't the one casting them. He didn't cast Ray or Luke or Finn. These were characters, or Poe. These were characters who previously existed and had been cast for the previous movie. He was just using them in a way that he felt was natural for the character. So is that really an intentional gender attack thing? It just, it seems like we've kind of got to that point where it's such a complicated web of a mess that no matter what the intentions were, I fear that the ship has sailed on the backlash that nothing will be enough to appease those who think Disney has these sinister motives. But at the same time, nothing will be enough to convince those who see Disney as perfectly pure as having any motives other than just a grand story, even if that motive is profit. Um, like, have we, has the ship sailed to the point where this controversy has got so far, this bullcrap controversy gotten so far that we just won't be able to see people pull back from it and it's just here to stay? Or could they have done something to fix it? Was it a wrong choice? Have we gone too far to come back? And if we haven't, how can we? There you go. Uh, lots of premise there for you. <clears throat>
1: well, I, I don't, I don't think that they made a mistake. Um, I, I think, I think we're definitely at a point where you're not going to be able to fix anything. I think that that, that's been moving. And I think our society itself, I mean, there are people that hate that the term melting pot when it comes to America. You know, I mean, there are people that, that think we're
0: more like vegetable soup. It's supposed to be all different together. This yeah. happens to be the same bowl. And, I like chili and things that are melted in vegetable soup.
1: Well, yeah. And then you got the people that are like, Oh, cultural appropriation. It's like, well, you're all Americans. So why can't that be part of American culture? You know, so I think that you've got people that are looking for certain things all the time. Uh, you know, you got that aspect of you're never going to make those people happy. Um, and, and that's on either side of the fence because you're going to have people looking like, like you said earlier, you know, they're looking at just the negatives and none of the positives. Um, you know, and, and that, that character, uh, Taka that you were talking about, you know, I mean, the they was used as the gender neutral pronoun. And I think, you know, for people that see gender as two and the people that see gender as a spectrum, that's very similar to that reference I made earlier about, you know, one nation under God and one nation under God. And when you have those two outlooks, you know, if you're in that camp of there's only two and you've got a human, not on an, any other alien, but a human Alderanian, that's using that term all the time, you start to wonder, you know, Hey, is this a mistake? This is the opportunity. If this was the purpose is to make it a gender neutral character, which I don't know if that's actually the case. I haven't had a chance to interview the the author yet. We're trying to do that. Uh But, If that was the case, why not take this as an opportunity to educate those that wouldn't catch they as a gender-neutral pronoun? I mean – that, I think, is the missed opportunity here. Uh Even when Wendig did it, at least Wendig was using words that looked more like a typo. And when you looked them up, they're like, oh, it's a gender neutral pronoun. They is so – they is what people do when they want to be PC in a group and they don't want anyone to be coming down on them because they're like, well, I don't – like like that one person over there, I can't tell if that's a guy or a girl. Like Like I really cannot tell. So let's just say they and I'll just be very general with the they. Like it used to be an insult. Yeah, that
0: would be insulting. Like if somebody called but there are those who are choosing who say that that is more appropriate to 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 them, but I think you that's exactly the point what you just said right there. It's it could be a conversation starter. Things that we find that are kind of like, "Wait, what?" in a book, in in a movie, whatever. That should be a conversation starter.
1: But there's a difference between a conversation and a food fight. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, it's it's like, well, you get some of those that that recognize it as a spectrum. They go, yeah, it's one of like 48. And then the other people come back. with like, well, there's only two. And then it becomes that argument. And it's like, well, if the author would have just wrote that in, you know, that this character refers to themselves as they because they're not concerned you know then you take it out because when people stop and they're wondering like what's going on they're legitimately questioning and then the other people not all of them but some are like well that's just because you're not caught up on the times like everybody recognizes this you know
0: can i can and you were you actually you were you were kind of a bystander if i remember correctly and i was mostly a bystander i made a I made a post that, again like made a post on the facebook page which is my facebook page which is just to kind of double check is I'm trying to read Last Shot really quickly, but because I don't have a lot of time, I'm like reading Last Shot like in a burst here in the in like the hospital waiting room. I'm reading it in a burst right before bed. I'm reading it in a burst, a lot of bursts on the toilet mostly. I mean, most of that book I've read on the can Um, and I realize that I may have just missed a sp- specific description because I don't tend to read the specific character descriptions often because if it's got really snappy dialogue and this does catch c- capture the characters really well and their dialogue style I tend to hit those dialogue beats a lot faster and I move between the stuff in between much more quickly and I just thought I'd miss something I wanted to make sure that I that that it was an intentionally gender neutral character uh, it's not like you can go to the beginning of the book and read a character dramatized because they do Yeah, don't there's put none of that anymore. kind of stuff anymore. Um But so I asked the question and that was right around the time that I was about to go to bed. And somebody said, yeah, here's a quote from the author who says, yeah, that was an intention. Like, okay, thanks. You know, and I'm not thinking anything of it. I wake up later on. I can't remember if it was a nap or the next morning. And there are friends of mine that you can always count on to take the right wing position consistently. There's also some friends of mine, particularly one friend of mine who will be consistently taking the left wing position every time. But what I found interesting about the conversation that they had was kind of like what you were saying just now in that it seemed as though there was a disconnect in even being able to consider the other side's perspective. And I don't I don't mean being willing to consider the other side's perspective. It was sort of a Like, I have no idea what you're talking about type of thing. Um, On that particular issue, um, I don't want to get too much in the weeds, but one of the contentious parts of the the gender identity issue in American politics right now is the fact that um, from about 1980 until about 2013, um, the DSM, which is like the guide to mental disorders and things like that, um, like sort of the guide to to how to diagnose and that sort of thing – had said that basically if someone was transgender, that is gender dysphoria or gender identity disorder, and it was a mental illness. And if I'm understanding correctly, in 2013 in the DSM-5, it was altered, and it wasn't removed so much as it was this idea that kind of like the disconnect of what a person feels their gender should be versus their uh, biological sex is like a pre-existing concept, and that... You can have issues arise from that and how you deal with that within your life and how other people deal with that in your life that can cause mental illness rather than it being a mental illness itself. Kind of like if you're stressed out, the stress isn't your mental illness, the anxiety that might arise from it is or something like that. It's, I'm not 100% clear on it, but it's the idea that the definition has been changing and at one time it was considered mental illness. So somebody had brought up this idea of um, – is it normalizing mental illness or just use the phrase mental illness and the person on the other side of it, instead of be- being like, well, that kind of explaining, well, that's how things were thought of at this point in time. Things have moved to a different perspective now. And here's what that perspective is. It was I can't believe you're saying that this makes no sense. I told and just could not engage with the idea. Um, and at the same time. You had people on the opposite side of it also not willing to engage with the idea of, you know, as times change, science changes, people's societal expectations change. And to what degree do we change with it? Do we, you know? Yeah. Is Pluto a planet or not, man? I don't know. It keeps going back and forth. Exactly. I'm just, I'm a live and let live. I don't care what you want to call yourself. If you want me to call you something different, fine. I don't care if it's a pronoun or if it's your name or, or a nickname. I don't care. I just seek not to offend. I'm a live and let live kind of guy. But th- these, it just struck me that these two sides could not see enough of the other side's point of view to even really have a conversation without it just being, you know, constantly butting their heads against the wall without really making any progress. And it just kept getting uglier and uglier until I finally had to ban somebody, the first person met from my, or kicked off of my personal page in ages. Because somebody came into the conversation out of nowhere and just basically came in and called everybody who disagreed with the one side. You're all bigots. Screw you. And I'm like, dude, Navy you don't, fans. <laughs> I don't even know this guy. You're somebody who was, you know, who only sent me a friend request because you know me from listening to the podcast or something. I'm sitting here having a conversation in my digital living room with some friends of mine. You're an acquaintance and you just walked in and shat on the rug. I'm sorry. You're the one who's going to be asked to leave. You know, I'm okay with people you know, going back and forth, but, you know, I have some civility about it. And, and thankfully, at least, they were civil when they were butting their heads for the most part. But it just struck me that it was just, there was no common ground. Again, it's like the window exists, but there's something blocking the middle of the window, so there's an acceptable view on this side, an acceptable view on the other side, but never the twain shall meet, and where do we go from there? And if that's where society is, and fandom reflects the society around us, may I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe we've got to the point where there just isn't a healing available. But if that's the case, where does fandom go from here? I mean, do we all just balkanize into our own little corners, like the stuff we like, and screw everybody else? Do we have to have sort of a fandom, um, you know, come to the maker kind of moment where we all kind of sit back and say, you know what? It's okay. Live and let live. You like what you like. I like what I like. You know, screw it. And, it, you know, I don't know if that's even possible with internet fandom at this point because so much of it is connected through social media that it's like the platforms themselves sort of beg you to comment on crap you have nothing to do with that somebody <laughs> else's opinion. Right? But because you happen to have an opinion on the same thing, you can say like, like, you know what? I had green beans tonight. It was actually pretty good. Somebody else jumps in like, I hate green beans. My dad was, was forced
1: to farm green beans on, what? Oh, actually, I saw a picture of Nathan's green beans. They were French green beans, not the kind that your grandfather hated, so you should just chill out. <laughs> oh, they were French green beans? Oh, great. So they're pansy green beans that won't want to get into a fight
0: unless it's Syria. I see right? how it is. Right? <laughs> and then somebody else pops in and is like, you know, I'm I'm a vegetarian. I like all green beans. Oh, well, screw you. You don't even like meat. And then all of a sudden, everybody hates on the other person.
1: Yeah. The tolerant and the intolerant just can't get along. And the problem is, is that there are things that both sides tolerate and don't tolerate.
0: <laughs> it's like the picture that, um, gosh, I can't remember if it was you or if it was, it may have been Chris, uh, Walker who put it up, but it's basically something, I uh, just to, to paraphrase it, but it was something along the lines of like, the beginning of the internet conversation is, uh, I like puppies. And the end of the conversation is something like, I'm not denying the Holocaust. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> where, how did we get there? Right. Um, But we have to be able to have the conversation about things we do and don't like. We have to be able to point out things that are wrong within fandom, but also wrong within Star Wars. I mean, on the timeline page, I would point out the continuity issues when they popped up. But you started to not be able to do that without it being, instead of a conversation about the issue and how could they resolve it, it becomes... See, I told you, legend should never have been gone. Screw Disney, screw Pablo, screw Lucasfilm, screw Chi, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And a lot of invective, instead of talking about the actual issue that had been raised, um, we have to be willing to talk about it without considering each other. Um, to use a term, and I love this, you and I were about to sit down to record, and I was sitting here watching the first Season of the Expanse. I just popped in the first episode. I love the series. I want to rewatch seasons one and two before I finally start watching three. And I put it in and the, and the term comes up in the first episode among the Belters in their Belter Creole language. The term is well, which means traitor to my people. We have to be willing to consider someone a fellow fan and not well, well, if they happen to have a different opinion. Um, even if that opinion seems ignorant as all oh, hell to you, because you're not going to be able to have a conversation without at least being able to treat each other civilly. Um, And like you said very early on uh, in the episode here, you know, when you have a discussion, a lot of times you're going to see your own point of view either change or become clearer to you because you're having to articulate it to someone else. Um That's why I, I'm I'm actually a. a I don't always agree with them, um, but I particularly like um, the change my mind segments that a guy named Steven Crowder does, um, that he does on YouTube. And it's all like, you know, I'm pro-choice or I'm pro-gun or I'm whatever, change my mind. And he sits there to have a rational conversation, if he can, with just random, you know, college students, for instance, on a campus that might come and, and speak with him. And usually somebody's mind slightly changes, For the most part, people aren't changing their minds, but it feels like every time you, they come out of those conversations at least the viewer is able to sort of articulate their ideas better and at the same time are willing to sort of understand where the other side is coming from, even if the people you're watching have the conversation or are a little contentious about it. Um, but that takes almost an empathy, I guess, that that we seem to sort of, of lack. It's like we're not really... I don't want to say we're being taught empathy because I'm not sure... I mean,
1: were we explicitly taught empathy as kids? I... I th- I, I remember being taught empathy as a kid, but only from my mom. You know, I mean, that's, that's like a lot of the, the opinions I have when it comes to things like abortion are based on my mom. Because when my mom was looking at it, she saw it a war as a war against women's rights. So for me, I grew up in the aspect of, well, I'm not a woman. So I respect her choice because even if I want the kid to live, it's her body. And I have to respect her body because that was that was the way I was raised, you know, and so that is that is a huge aspect of of a lot of this is how you're raised. So I think our parents, not just society, but I think the parents have a large role there. And the question I have is, are as many parents taking the time to instill those values ...on their children. Now, I I 100% believe that if you're a family that goes and, you know, you're very religious, you go and do those type of things, yeah, you're probably on point with it when it comes to your morals and your values. If you do something like scouting or things like that, but there are a lot of people out there that just are trying to make it through the day. You know, they're just trying to get from paycheck to paycheck, and they're beat at the end of the day, and their kids come home, and they're just exhausted, and here's a game, play, have fun, go to sleep, wake up in the morning... And next thing you know, three years have passed, four years have passed, six years have passed. Now little Billy is... Billy the bully because you never stop to tell him that you know hey yeah you're having fun at the game and yeah you're trolling the heck out of these kids on the game and while that might be considered fun for you you're bullying the hell out of the kid now you're doing the same thing in school but nobody had that conversation and now Billy's now 20 with his own kid because nobody talked to him about sex ed so his kids five already and you know then you start to have those kind of issues that kind of build up and go crazy which makes me wonder you know that The traitor to your own people, the Wabala, I think is what you called them. I think it's it's almost safe to say that those people are the ones that deliberately go out of their way to ruin things for others on purpose. You know, I I think when we have conversations and debates and things like that, you know, you can get heated with somebody and and it feels like you're angry at them. But really, that's not that's not the same as when somebody went out of their way to hatefully, hurtfully do something to cause you to disenjoy Or to ruin something for you, you know, like when people were spoiling Han's death or, you know, these type of things like to go out of your way to do something like that. That's to me, that's just pure hate. And I don't understand how people can do that. So the only thing I can think of is it gets back to that lack of parenting, you know, that that we are just as a society. There are so many people that are struggling to get by their day to day. That they are taking their eyes off the prize of our future by instilling the morals and the values that our parents and our grandparents did. Now, granted, if if you're in a good church or something like that, and and I say that as somebody who doesn't go to church. So for me, I get a lot of my moral stuff through scouting with my kids, but – you know those people that go to church and have that belief system that is that is one of the main things about that from my outside perspective is you know those are very important to you you're not going to let your daughter or your son just go out and marry any you know heroin addict on the street. you're going to want to make sure that that heroin addict is a born-again Christian or wait God wait a second no 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 heroin addicts for the children <laughs> no, um, no, yeah well, you know what you're
0: describing you know what's funny? Well, you're describing the, the, the idea of the moral backbone that, that in essence that we need to have as fans, whether we grew up with it or not. You realize you're describing what Star Wars is. Right? I mean, you are describing the, the, the reason why so many people in many ways are so connected and attached to Star Wars. It's not just the characters, it's not just the fun space battles. It's the fact that when you're little and you're first getting into this stuff, it is helping you form a concept of good and evil, of what's right and wrong, what you do, what you don't do. Wow. That just hit me way more emotionally than I realized it was going to. I almost got choked up there. Um, but it, it's, it's providing that sort of backdrop. And in, instead of being something that's the football that we're trying to keep from the other side, it, for many of us, it was what gave us that thought process, that, that way of looking at it. That's something that, um, you know, that I brought up in, in one of the c anthologies, you know, the idea that, you know, it's meant to sort of bind us together and give us these universal themes that can help us understand bigger ideas. You know, it's essentially the gateway drug to talking about more interesting stuff, but not heroin addicts. Um, but it's interesting. This brings it back, I th- and I think part of it, I think you're right. I think there is a parenting thing. I don't think it's something that can be said for any particular side, any particular group, it's sort of a societal thing where we've just kind of sort of shifted a lack of empathy. Um, part of that may be a generational thing. Part of that may be a you – know, as a society becomes more prosperous, things start to shift. Um, uh, I know there have been a lot of generational studies on the degree of empathy and the degree of uh, self-efficacy that you have – that people tend to have of different generations. And I know that iGen or whatever you want to call the current Young people generation is one of the most safety-seeking but also one of the most prone to um, depression generations we've ever seen, um, which is not going to also be something that's going to lead to healthy social interaction as well, Um, but also should help remind us of why healthy social interaction is so freaking important in the first place because depression is not just something that affects social interaction.
1: It can come from Unhealthy social interaction. Well, here's here's something you're gonna notice with my littlest one, Jana, and and honestly, it was with this with all my kids. They would come home from school and so and so doesn't like me. So and so's not my friend. Like that. That's like the constant. Like for little kids, it's it's all about whether you're like liked or not liked, and it all ends and stops. Like my daughter will come back and her best friend at school is Melanie, and every day I hear about how at lunch Melanie did this or that or dismissed her in some way that hurt her feelings, and I'm just like. You gotta get some tough skin, kid. Like like I, I get that it hurts your feelings, but clearly when you show up at school and she goes, Gina and you go, Manny and you guys run up and hug each other. That you guys are clearly friends whether by lunchtime she tells you she doesn't <laughs> right. want to play with you. <laughs>
0: right. It's the old uh, what's the line from uh Dennis Miller, Life sucks, get a cup. Um <laughs> But uh, it's interesting. It it reminded me, though, as you were saying, it reminded me of actually a line from – I think it was from the West – it's either from the West Wing or it's from the American president. It may actually be the American president. I just know that somewhere in there Martin Sheen is part of the conversation because that's the voice I hear in my head um, and that it was an Aaron Sorkin line. But there's this line about – you know, in that case, it's the president basically saying, you know – uh, or somebody advising the president's talking about how, you know, we're going to fight the battles we can win, right? Um, as opposed to not fighting the battles we don't think we can win. And, and the person gets frustrated and basically says, you know, you know, we don't fight the battles we can win. We fight the battles that need fighting, right? You fight the battles when the cause is just, when it needs to be done. And what's interesting is that with fandom and society in general, I think, right now, we sort of lost that. And that it's it's stopping to be about we fight the battles that need fighting, and it's more about we fight the battles that we can win. In essence, if I think I can score some points or I can make myself feel big in this situation, even if it tears down someone else, at least I won. I'm going to do it. And we need to get back to the idea of, you know what, there are some battles that aren't worth fighting. You know, whether or not somebody else cares for Legends or cares for canon or liked or didn't like The Last Jedi, that shouldn't be your hill to die on. Who cares? You know, that even even if it means you don't have conversations about that movie with that person, that is not a battle that needs fighting. Um, At some point, don't we run out of energy for that? And it gets exactly back to what you're saying. It's sort of the fandom version of what you're saying, trying to get through the day. And that's actually part of what I said in that video ending the timeline, that it gets to a point where if it's not fun and it's dragging you down, the toxicity is around you. There's a point at which all of us try to keep the toxicity away. We all have sort of our own thick, you know, exosuit or whatever, uh, environmental suit trying to keep the toxicity away. But when you start to realize that it started to eat its way through the suit and it's about to affect you, you need to be able to step out of that environment instead of letting the toxicity infect you. Um, and that was part of what I said, said in there, just that, that, the, that you have to step back when it seems like it's, it's coming too close. And unfortunately, m- many more of us, I think, out there are more, more worried about either getting a win or proving ourselves right or just proving the other side wrong. That we're not willing to say, you know what, I'll step away. And that is actually something from that Facebook conversation, um, where, where the two sides really couldn't see each other at, at the very beginning. There was a point where one of the people on one of the sides said, you know what? I recognize that I will not change your mind. You will not change my mind. So it's not worth the, the, the confrontation. It's not worth the going back and forth. We should just be able to go on with our days. Again, this is not our hill to die on, so to speak. Um, but what I saw was a continuation of that as more people entered the conversation and tried to sort of egg it on and continue pushing it. That the person who tried to step away got pulled back into it. Um, And there's got to come a point where we're able to step away, but to resist being pulled back into the fray. Uh, And I have a, oh God, I have a hell of a time with that.
1: Well, it's it's that battles that win, like you were saying, you know, you've got some people in the Legends camp that, that it was always vote with your money. You know, we've talked about that in the past. And so you get some people that are like, I'm not happy with this decision. So I'm going to vote with my money. I'm not going to buy the canon stuff. And then, you know, so they have, if they have anything negative to say, well, then it's like, well, you, you, how can you dislike it? You never read it. You never saw it. <laughs> it's like, well, you got me in a box. Damn it. <laughs> but I see that a lot. Like, I, I don't know if you're catching that with people where, you know, that, that dismissive of like, well, if you don't like it, then what do you even have anything to say? It's like, well, because I am invested, whether, you know, and, and I'm speaking for that person because I actually like both canon and legends. But when you are vested, you're like, man, I, I want to be able to see both. Like I'm, I'm ready for that. Like, I don't know, man. I get, I get back to that where I just, I get so caught up in the way that people can be so quick to dismiss each other that it, it gets back to that opportunity to educate. You know, I mean, you know, I think about that, that they, In that gender neutral pronoun, it's like, if you just take a moment to throw out there that this is the understanding, like we shouldn't have to get it from a website to find that out. Like, you know, put that in there. So when we're reading it, we're not questioning. And so when we question other people aren't going, Hey, you got an issue with that because you raised the attention to it. You know, you, that means you have a problem with it, which means you're the problem. I mean, that's not the case. Sometimes people are just curious because they think, well, maybe it's a typo, especially like with you and me. Like, you know, we come from an era where that was part of the fun was finding what little typos there were or any continuity errors that may come up because they were pretty damn tight with that at one
0: point. <laughs> well, it's funny because you're talking about the idea that, you know, that. People can jump on something for you asking a question. I got jumped on from both sides in in the most hilarious way because it was within about 30 seconds of each other. But it was funny because the people who said it were meaning it in sort of a a tongue-in-cheek sort of way and laughed about the fact that they both came at it in that tongue-in-cheek way in a way that you would hear it in modern you know, politics and whatnot. And yet they came at it from completely opposite knee jerk directions and then laughed about it afterwards about how absurd it was. Because I like to quote, because I just like, like, my thing is mimicry. You know, I mean, you hear this whenever I'm, you know, giving a quote, you know, if I, I can't just have critics line about how, you know, uh, I lose nothing but time. You know, I can't say it like that. I have to say, I lose nothing but time. You know, I have to exaggerate the line that he says. Oh, it's beautiful. Yes. And, <laughs> and I, one of my favorite lines, uh, In terms of delivery out of Rogue One is Cassian's line about how long he's been fighting. And the line is, (laughs) I've been in this fight since I was years Salt. But he says it with the heavy accent, and my I know my my mimicry of it is not very good. But you get the line that I'm talking about. And I made a comment about that, and immediately one person, snarky again, these are kind of tongue-in-cheek, came at it like, oh, you're being racist now, I'm making fun of how he says it. And the other side jumps in and says, says oh, here we go, you like the way he says it, here's more diversity, SJW. And I'm like, and they started laughing about the fact that, you know, you could take almost anything and attack it. It, find a way to attack it from either side because most of the things that people do on their daily basis are benign or it's just, hey, I find this interesting, I'm gonna say something about it. And you know, again, like 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 the old, the old saying goes, you know, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, sometimes a comment is just a comment, sometimes an observation is just an observation. It's not meant to be some treatise, it's not to meant to be staking out of position, it's just, hey, you know, that's interesting. Hey. This was unusual to me. Hey, let's have a conversation about it as opposed to
1: calling on the argument for it. When you have a conversation with someone and, you know, you're having it and they're like, source, link, give me link, give me source. Is there a name for that type of person in an argument? Like, cause I swear, man, I run into some of those people all the time. and I'm like, you know, why aren't you providing the link? Why aren't you providing the source? Why do I have to provide it? <laughs>
0: I'm thinking of a name.
1: I know there is a type of
0: name for that type of individual. I'm not sure I can think of one right now that doesn't end with the second syllable being whole. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Deflector? (laughs) um, But, but I mean, yeah, and that's sort of the... but, But that is, to some degree, though, I would argue that that is at least somewhat valid because you don't want people to be making claims that they can't back up because that is one of the things that is one of the most frustrating aspects, again, of sort of modern debate in general. You know, you have the... Like I love again, I love constitutional law stuff. I love it; uh, it's my bread and butter. I love discussing that kind of stuff with people, and I can take the devil's advocate on whatever side because I just want to be able to have the conversation because it's so interesting to get into people's minds and to think about what you know the law is meant to be and and what the Supreme Court has said on certain things. Um, but I hear somebody say, um, "You know, we should ban semi-automatic weapons because no one needs to have a machine gun," and my head almost explodes. Right, because that's not what a machine gun is. A semi-automatic is like about everything now, right? It's Mm -hmm. an automatic is more like a is a machine gun, and those have been banned for a long time. I mean, let's get that kind of stuff out of the way. Let's let's talk. But if you try to point that out, instead of it being well, let's talk about specifics, it becomes a. uh, sort of that—that that, oh, so you want people to have machine guns? No, I'm telling you, you're using the word wrong. Oh, I see, you're telling me that I'm talking about this the wrong way. You don't like my opinion? No, I'm just telling you, you're using the phrase wrong. That's it. <laughs> it's like if you, you were talking about gas powered versus electric. It's—I'm not staking a position. I'm just trying to clarify the word. <laughs> um, and you just—you—you you can't really get at it. But I think that part of it is that—and and I, I hate to have to say that this is what my prescription for this all is. Um, but it's kind of the approach that I'm having to take, which is, uh, and and I'll give you what my approach is, and then tell you how it kind of boils down. But when it comes to what Mark said, I don't really engage much on the time on the uh, the Star Wars Beyond the Film page much anymore, because we do still sometimes run into the people spreading false information, incorrect information, who will just go ape on it. Um, the guy that was banned for all the intellectually dishonest crap on the Timelines page is still, I think, perfectly free to post on the Beyond the Films page. I think I'd have to go back and look. Um, but I try to sort of leave that to you because that's sort of a shared page, but I don't want to get frustrated. And so I don't engage as much. And then on the timelines page, I am now to the point where I'm like, you know what? You guys wanted that substantial conversation about these chronology issues and these continuity issues? If I can't bring it up without it going nuts, I'm done. Mm-hmm. So it's basically the timeline pages now, here's what's coming, hey, here's a new video that came out, here's what's now summarized for the timeline, and I realized that there were people on that page who were just there for other things, because I had people who were like, when I would say, you know, I just got um, oh, yeah, uh, Canto Bites summarized, bite summarized this book. and people are like, so where's the summary? What are you talking about? And I'm like, do you understand what this page is for? Um, and? and I had to sort of post an explanation. Um So, I'm sort of pulling back with that. I'm, I'm having to get to the point where when it comes to, um, with YouTube, it's just, you know what, mute if people are being, you know, crazy, but I try to not do that very often, uh, unless people just coming in doing the sniping stupid crap. Um, but in that case, even the person still is able to post, it's just that nobody else sees it. Mm -hmm. Um, And on my personal page, slowly but surely getting to the point where, you know what, this is meant to be a place for friends. And I've made a lot of friends from people who are in this community who I only know because, hey, they said, hey, I I heard your podcast and I sent you a friend request. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, fantastic, fantastic people. But there are also people who have done that, who I've barely interacted with, whose only real substantive contribution has been to attack my friends who may not have anything to do with Star Wars Oh, they just happen to be friends of mine, um, Mm -hmm. who may have different views. And I have to kind of get to the point of saying, you know what, I control the atmosphere of this page. This is sort of my digital living room. I'm going to have to ask you to go. And by ask, I mean I will hit unfriend, because it's a private page. Um, If you want to interact with me about the timeline, go on the timeline page. If you want to interact with me about various works of mine, I've got an author page. Go to that, and we can have that sort of civil discussion. Um, but my personal page, again, it's, it's, it's like your digital home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what's happened is I've kind of got to that point where I realize that at least right now, I'm not sure that fandom discourse can be saved or saved from itself. At least not until or unless society starts to sort of save itself. If this kind of craziness of everybody on the extremes and whatnot eventually sort of burns itself out and we get back to sort of a calmer state, and I don't know if that happens or not, then maybe that'll happen in fandom, but I don't know that it can change in fandom without it changing in society around it as well because the same communication tools we're using for society are what we're using in fandom and vice versa. Which means that to me it's a matter of kind of hold the people... That you know to be good people, you know to be civil people, you know to be intellectually honest people, you know to be people you can have a discussion with who are just fellow fans and enjoy it and won't think less of you because your opinion differs from theirs. Um, find those people and—oh gosh, um, I, I, I forget who said it. Uh, no, it was, in a, it was in Hamlet. It was in Hamlet. Uh, 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 grapple them to your heart with hoops of steel, in <laughs> essence. Um, don't sully your hand with each newfound friendship, but those whose friendship has been t- tested, grapple them with hoops of steel or however it is that, um, that, uh, the character says it, but this idea, um, yo, be- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, be with those people, have your fandom, share it with those people. Don't cut yourself off from fandom in general. There are way more good people out there who are fans who you can interact with than the people who want to be the bomb throwers. But you gotta think about it the same way you think about it with I mean, on a totally personal, embarrassing example, I think about it the way that I think of using the restroom. I'm a guy who's got IBS, irritable bowel syndrome. There are times when I will just be in a store or something and I will get hit by just a wave of I just need to go to the restroom. And sometimes it means if I'm sitting in a meeting at work, you know. I'm going to go to the restroom a couple of times. I'll be the one leaving the meeting most often than anybody else. And I have to get to a point where I say, you know what? Those who know me well enough to know why I'm leaving multiple times care enough to understand and they wouldn't hold it against me. And the people who are going to get annoyed by how many times I step out don't know me well enough for me to give a damn what their opinion of me is. And you have to be able to get to the point where you recognize That not everyone's opinion of you matters or should matter to your own self-image. If we can let that go, we'll be much happier and be able to weather this fandom storm and come out, I don't want to say unscathed. We'll be scarred, but we'll come out intact. And I think right now that may be the best that we can hope for, coming out intact.
1: And and everybody digs scars. I mean... That's why they give all the heroes them. <laughs> exactly.
0: And and in Star Wars you can even move the position of the scar on your face.
1: Well that that's scar continuity, and we, we've proven we don't care about scar continuity. <laughs> so I I think I think we're almost there, man. I mean uh I'm looking over my notes here and I think we've hit every major topic. Uh the only other thing I have really is is the personal level for you know, the toxicity aspect for me, I think, uh, October through November of last year was when it got the worst. Um, really I got, Be- I got, I before, got really dark. before last Jedi, before even Be- that wave before, of, yes. How so? Um, so, so, you know, I, my, my worry was that I wasn't going to like the last Jedi. And, you know, it, it just, I started to get really into that point of in my own head thinking that I'm going to not like it and that it's going to put me in that camp of the people that don't like it. And I, I was terrified of that because it was like, okay, so if, if I get to a point where I don't like the new Canon and I want to step away, like, you know, that puts me on the outs. Like I'm the bad fan kind of thing. Like, and I was really kind of, you know, struggling with that and, and trying to want to continue to read the books and the comics and stuff. You know I mean? I was feeling like the stories that I wanted to read, weren't being told. Not so much, you know, any representation it was just I want stories that kind of pick up from the last one and go into the next one and have characters that are being drawn along the way and stuff like that I really dug so you know as we got closer to that feeling like I was going to have these perceptions of what was going to happen because Luke Skywalker was the reason why I loved Legends you know I was the current Luke fan and I was recognizing from the trailers that this was going to be a different Luke and I wasn't sure how I felt about that you know and the aspect of that affecting my desire to read the books and the comics was really messing with me because I've always been a book and comic guy. You know, I mean the Expanded universe, that was where you got the stories. They didn't tell Expanded universe stories on the big screen. You didn't see that on the TV shows. So you had to read the books and comics. And so to have that, be my temple in a sense, because for the longest time, Star Wars was what helped me with my faith and helped me, you know, find my own philosoph- philosophical, religious type beliefs and stuff, spiritual beliefs. And to have that where I'm now, you know, not wanting to or not having that desire, it really put me in a dark place. And it was in November time when that really solidified, you know, cause like there was a lot of other things going on in my personal life that, that just, it all came crashing at once. And my safe haven, the ability to open up a book and just jump into that universe was gone. Sure. No one took it off my shelves. They're all there and I can grab it and crack open and reread any of those stories, but I have nothing new to look forward to in the universe that was my preferred method. And I was finding that with the new canons, I wasn't enjoying the books as much as I was hoping to. And while there are some books out there that are really great, it it just hasn't had me in that same excitement for the books. Like I still get excited when they get here and I open them up and I start reading them, but I find myself falling asleep a lot and I've never had that problem. And that really started to mess with me. And then the idea of the movie was coming. So I backed away from a lot of the stuff that I was doing. I wasn't podcasting as much with Riley. You and I were recording a lot because we had that, that top sponsorship, which was great. Cause I think if, if I didn't have that, I may have just completely walked away from fandom at that moment. I was ready to, I mean, I walked during that entire top sponsorship. I didn't record one episode of, of uh, Star Wars report with Riley. I took a hiatus for that whole entire period. And, you know, like, I'm still, like, not on the show as fully as I once was. Granted, I will be here in a minute because Riley's about to step out and Bruce and me are going to be filling in that role more. But that hit me so hard that I, I stepped away from a lot of that. I wasn't checking up on the news and stuff. I took a step back. And during that hiatus, I found a lot of the venom and stuff that was going on from the this side, that side, the legends of Canada, the anti, the anti Disney, pro Disney, that kind of fell away when I wasn't as on the pulse of fandom. It didn't feel like fandom was spiraling out of control and it took getting through that dark place and coming back into fandom for me to really process that part of it, you know? And so, so I go back and forth on that aspect of, you know, how engaged should I continue to be and how disengaged should I be for my own sanity and my own saving Fandom because I don't want to be so on the pulse of fandom that I start to hate everything or start reacting that way that puts me in the camp of that because you know you, you know you can get in a bad mood and just come across and everything just ticks you off and you're snarky about everything and while you may be in a a twelve hour mood it looks like that's just your opinion when you're not posting anything. Like I don't post much on Twitter. So when I have one of those days and I post a bunch of negative stuff, like, yeah, it looks like I'm a negative SOB, but you know, that's because I'm not posting on Twitter as much as I am on Facebook, you know? So if I'm only posting one or two times and they happen to be a negative rant, well, yeah, it's going to start to look like I'm a negative rant and SOB. But so yeah, for me that, you know, that toxicity started to affect me on that personal level and it, took me through a gauntlet of soul searching and stuff. And I mean, I'm still dealing with it. When I watched your 50 minute video, there was a lot of stuff about that, that just, it resonated with me. And, and you know, your lonely experience when your fandom, when you were talking about that, how your fandom became just you sitting at a desk in a corner. Granted, that wasn't my scenario exactly, but That loneliness was was exactly how I felt for the last four or six months. I mean, aside from the fact that I was chatting with you about Star Wars and stuff, I wasn't talking to anybody about Star Wars. Aside from the fact that, you know, I've got Star Wars all over my scout gear and and all over my house and stuff, and I'm still the Star Wars guy when I go places. But being the Star Wars guy and not being caught up on your Star Wars when that's what you do? I mean, that was, I mean, that was your timeline. That was your thing being the EU guy. That was my thing, you know? So for me, that's, that's been really a difficult process for me and to come up with my new identity. I mean, I was still the defender of the EU because I, I had donned that moniker back before the EU was legends, you know? Cause I, I was the guy defending the legends continuity to the people that are like, that's not canon, canon only back before we had that, that divide. So that took on a different role because then I felt like, well, now I've got to defend the Legends because it just gets crapped on all the time. So then sometimes I would I would say things and people would just be like, well, Legends isn't always all great. Like you always talk about it like it's all great. It's like, no, I recognize there was, there was bad things. And so like I would have to talk to some people like, you know, my my personal outlook is it doesn't matter if it's a film, TV show, comic book, Star Wars book, every one of them has got good things and bad things in them. And if you can't recognize both sides of that, then you're wearing some rose colored glasses whether they be hate colored or, or you know everything sunshine rosy you've got that red spectrum glasses on and so for me it's like i had to recognize that as well like so i've been going through a lot of personal things <laughs> when it comes to this but the toxicity angle has been something that keeps coming back around because you know as i was saying at the beginning of the time sometimes i think we fall into the role of of playing victim because we f- get our feelings hurt you know and we don't know how to to address it and then we start to look at it like, well, this is, this is the way it is. This is the way things are. I, you know, well, it, the victim shouldn't have to apologize. And sometimes, you know, we put a lot of that on our own selves where, yeah, we may have been slighted, but maybe we weren't as victimized as, as we feel like we were. And because it was so very real for us at that time or, or whatnot, it became more overwhelming than it needed to be. Um, <clears throat> and I think that, that a lot of times, that's that aspect of following through on the conversation. Like, yeah, you may find you disagree with somebody, but if you don't follow through with the conversation and let them understand where you're coming from, because a lot of times it's going to be a knee jerk reaction. They're going to think you're just a dick. And because you think like a bunch of the other jerks that think that way, think, so you must be in that full on camp. You think 100% that way. And then as you start to explain yourself, it's like, oh no, 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 that's not the case. I don't really think that way. Yeah. I may not have, fully formed an opinion on this or that, but I feel strongly about this right here. And as you describe that and you get that out there and you have that understanding, that's when you get back to that fellowship of fans. And I think that that sometimes like we need to have more events where we come together out of the love of what's going on. I mean, I need to definitely get back to a celebration. I mean, I didn't get to do the last one you were able to, but man, I I would need to get back to one of those and I need to get there and I need to do things with like you and with Riley and get there with, you know, the people that I'm doing this side of things, you know, the podcasting, the thing I'm passionate about still that isn't being tarnished in any way, shape or form and, and get that kind of fellowship with you guys, Because I haven't got to do that. Like I, I've, I've got to see Riley at a celebration, got to see other fans that I've known and and got to meet people like Michael and stuff. But to have that, like how Aaron and Riley have it, where they're coming back to these places and seeing their friends again for like the third, fifth, sixth time. Like I need to get that back in my life because just that one time at celebration, that fellowship of the fans, the way that that lifted and, and buoyanced my fandom and brought me out of my darkness at that time. Like I need that again because. The aspect of, of this whole episode and the fact that the toxicity, could it even be fixed or is it doomed? The fact that we're there, I feel like, you know, if we just have more fellowship of fans, that wouldn't feel as bad as it is, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, you mentioned again, uh,
0: it's funny. He focuses on two things mainly out of that video. One is the 50 minute aspect. Yes, it's long. <laughs> um, but the other being, you know, the, the isolation feeling. And it's funny because the computer I'm sitting at right now, the desk I'm sitting at right now, the place in the room where it is right now, I'm staring at that same wall that I'd be staring at if I was working on the timeline right now. Mm -hmm. Beds behind me, nobody else in the room. If my wife was in here, she'd be over there on the other side of the room. I'm seeing the same thing I'd be seeing if I was working on the timeline, only in this case, there's a waveform growing in front of me in Audacity. (laughs) but it doesn't feel the same way because you're right. It's all about that connection. Um, it's the opposite of what Sartre said, right? John Paul Sartre said the whole thing about hell is other people. I would argue that for many of us, hell is isolation. Mm. It's, it's the lack of other people, not people in general, but people who you have those bonds with. Um, and Mark said it earlier. Um, you're not alone out there, and if I can get to – see, d- d- getting fandom stuff and getting towards being a father is just making me an old softie already, and I'm not even 40. Um, oh, yeah, I'm already becoming the, 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 the weepy old man. Um, <laughs> but if I can get through this as sort of a final thought and, and to tie it back into education to some degree, one of the most profound thought processes – that I think has been impactful on me in the last probably decade or so of my teaching career has been the idea that came from a guy named Rick Wormley. And maybe it came from somewhere else. I know I've heard a, heard this described as the way that, you know, you talk about PTSD and such too. Um, but this idea that, uh, you know, if you're a teacher – there are the rim waivers and there are those that get down into it. The rim waiver basically says, Oh, child, you just fell into a hole. You're behind. You're not understanding something. Well, the rest of the class is moving on without you now because we have to. So when you happen to get yourself out of there, if you get yourself out of there, I know it sucks, but you know, we'll see you then. Catch up to us when you can. But that a teacher who cares and a teacher who is really worth their salt, so to speak, is going to do the opposite. And instead of it being waving from the rim of the pit, the rim waver, they're going to jump down in that pit with you. And even if they've never actually been there themselves before, they're going to, as he puts it, pretend they have and win an Academy Award, say, child, don't worry. I've been here before and I know the way out. Come, child. And lead them out of it. And... If I were to put this fandom concept into a big picture, I think for Mark and I, definitely for myself, the reason why we need an episode like this is because I and I think we refuse to be rim wavers. Mm-hmm. Unengaged, worried about just sweeping ourselves along and screw everybody else. They're not our problem that there's a a lack of empathy to that. But you have to know that line, of course, between getting involved in the mess that other people are making of their own making on purpose um, and being toxic versus actually helping those who are caught in something they're trying to get out of. So if you're listening to this, you're part of fandom. And regardless of your opinions about the saga, in any of its forms... We love you. You are part of our family. If you're in a dark place, either harmed or causing harm within fandom, know that you can escape that. And when you emerge, we will be here for you. The projects may have changed, but we'll be here to clasp that hand of what Mark called fellowship again. And if we can... We'll jump into that pit with you and lead you back out, because that's what a family does. Damn, son.
1: <coughs> mm. Now that about? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I, I brought down the room there for a second. <laughs> uh, <Jeez>. It's just, <laughs> uh, no, I'm feeling it, man. Uh, I'm feeling it's, it. It. it's the uh. feel good episode of Star Wars Beyond the Films. No, I mean, I mean that's that's the thing, like. Like when I was in my dark place, I, I called Riley and like I flat out told him, I said, dude, like I, I got to such a dark place that I literally for one second looked for the bullets in my shotgun. I keep them completely in a different spot, different room. I, I never shoot my guns. I don't even take them out to go trigger shooting, but I was in such a dark place that for a moment I went looking and I, I told Riley, I said, you know, I, the shame that came over me, when I got out of that dark place was also what kept me in that dark place because I knew better than that kind of thoughts. And yet I allowed my depression and stuff and my feeling of being isolated. In, and, and you can feel isolated in a room full of people that you know, that are your friends. If you're just in a, in a, a bad wavelength in your mind and you feel like you're thinking of things in a way that no one else is, you just completely isolated. And man, to think that I almost, took away my daughter's favorite person, my, you know, that my family, I wasn't, even, I was so damn selfish that I wasn't even thinking about them. And I think that was the thing that really tore me up the most. And I was uh, talking to Riley and, and one of my, my best friends, the scoutmaster, master in another troop, you know, I had him come over and I was talking with him and that's when I realized I needed to talk to Riley because I hadn't said anything to Riley and, you know, I hadn't said anything to you because you and I, we were, we were recording and, and that was the only thing bringing me joy at that moment. Uh, but when I was recording with Riley, we were talking about spoiler stuff all the time. And I was like, I, you know, didn't know if I wanted to be there. And yeah, just to, just to be in that spot where I was, I had given up. And, and, and this is from a guy that did, as a teenager, try to kill himself and understands, you know, why that's bad and why you don't do those things. And then I was still in that spot where I was ready to do something. So say I'm stupid. Uh, you know, that's where I get back to that fellowship thing because when I went to Anaheim, I came away from there feeling a feeling of exuberance that I've never felt before. Dare I even almost say sense outside of the family setting. You know I mean? I mean, and, and I'm so stoked for you in the aspect of Kate, you know, coming out and, and becoming a dad. Like I cannot wait to see how that's going to mold your opinions. And, and you know, we kid about getting emotional. I mean, I, I was a guy that wouldn't cry when I was a younger kid. And I ball at everything now. like, uh oh, yeah it's it's definitely a different place being older uh than where we were when we first you know got involved when I first met you online and stuff you know the 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 change that I recognize in myself from then uh you know just from being a father and stuff like that like I can't wait to see you do that and it's when we're in these dark places we don't think about the happiness you know when we're in one camp we feel like we can't be in the other And I know that for me that that was part of my thing was feeling like I kept, I wanted to be in legends and I recognized that legends couldn't continue. And so did that mean I had to be a big, bad, bring back legends person? Like I didn't want to be that person, but it looked like that was where I was going to have to be because when you're in those dark places, you have to be in one camp or the other. And that's, I think that that's for us, a lot of other people, they don't recognize that, that, you know, yeah, you can walk in both worlds. And yet if you choose to do that, And you choose to make that choice, you're living in a different world where it's not one camp or the other. So you have to be in the other one because you can't be in mine. And I think that that's where, you know, that's where that isolation comes back, you know, and and we just got to have more fellowship aspects, whether it's just communicating and continuing the conversation beyond the disagreement or, you know, just finding a different way to interact in general. Uh, or, you know, like I, I have nothing but love for the people that you know in the 501st that get together and do these awesome armor parties and stuff where they're able to get together and do these things or all you people that are over in Georgia, <laughs> they're all able to get together on a weekend. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I just, yeah, I, I'm glad we had this, this episode conversation, this topic, because it was one I was, I was hesitant about. We, we've talked about doing stuff like this, similar, we're getting back to our roots in a sense, with a lot of these type of topics, uh, you know, we even hinted around about if we get a lot of feedback on this, maybe we'll come back and do a feedback episode, or maybe we'll invite some people that are pretty verbose and have something to say on both sides of the camp. You know, like I think we need to not just put the spotlight on this, but we need to be ambassadors for the fellowship of our fandom. You know that it could be a toxic world, or we can make it non-toxic. We just have to find something to, you know, clean it up. And I think I honestly think that the fellowship of the fan is the only way we can do it. And I think that just just to build on an example
0: and completely steal a concept from a radio personality maybe a decade ago shamelessly. Something that re- that I'm reminded of is this idea that that it does feel like sometimes we're all wandering around in the dark. And usually the people that you are bumping into, they're the people who are trying to harm other fans or just people for whom the toxicity has reached and they are becoming toxic themselves. Again, I think a lot of times that's that loud majority out there or that loud minority, excuse me, out there where it's not that they're everyone it's just that they happen to be the loudest, and that's what our system sort of lends itself to now. So I would remind you, if you are feeling isolated, uh, and I guess this will be sort of my final word on the topic, but if you are feeling isolated, remember that when we're in the dark, even though we can't tell, if it's those fans who care about fandom and trying to stop the toxicity versus those who are toxic, they do not surround us we surround them there's more of us and eventually we will come out of it whether it's individually or as a group but we're going to come out of it together so say we all (laughs) wrong franchise bro
1: I can't help it I'm all mixed up (laughs) I'm <laughs> busy now that about wraps up this episode of star wars beyond the films we'd like to thank you guys and gals once again for hanging around with us as we ponder on sharing our fandom even when we go down some darker roads and remember you can always listen to our episodes streaming online on the star wars report website second airborne division of podcasts at www.starwarsreport.com episodes are also available on stitcher and on itunes which we always encourage you to leave us a review while you're at it you can also find links to our episodes on both our twitter and facebook Pages at SW Beyond Films, or just type in Star Wars Beyond the Films in the search bar. Hey, no matter how you get there though, be sure to like our Facebook page. It's literally the best way to interact with us. It's our own home one, if you will. Not only can you post comments to us about the show, we love interacting with you fellow fans. So if you have any Star Wars and or Legends questions or if you just want to comment about a past episode, fire off. You can always email us directly at SW Beyond Films at StarWarsFanWorks.com and before we go, we want to mention to you our sponsors, Audible. If you go to www.audibletrial.com slash Star Wars you get a free trial run of Audible.com to see what they're all about. Hey, our sponsors, they have more than 100,000 titles. You can explore Star Wars Expanded Universe or this canon one or any other genre without risk of being stuck with a book you flat out hate because Audible members, they can change any book within 12 months. That's one year with no questions asked. So in this digital age, if you're thinking of making that switch from the page to the audiobook, Audible just might be right for you. So, once again, for "Stars Beyond the Films, it's been Mark and Whistler. And Nathan. Saying thanks for listening again. may the Force be with you.
0: And don't quote us the odds, that Mark knows that every time he says StarWarsReport.com, I always say it with him, but he can't hear me every <laughs> single time. <laughs> nice. <laughs> It's so iconic, oh, well, man. Well,
1: well. <laughs> what are the odds that somebody is going to tell me that uh, I should have pulled the trigger? <laughs> Damn! Damn! <laughs> Somebody's gonna think it. They're like, that guy's an a hole!
0: <laughs> oh. Man. Uh,
1: Care Bears. Ewoks. Lollipops. Ewoks are vicious. I gotta play that round, man. I still haven't got there.
0: <laughs> we can't even do Ewoks without it being dark! I'm <laughs> sorry.